Welcome to You're Not Crazy, Gospel Sanity for Young Pastors, a podcast from the Gospel Coalition. I'm Ray Ortland, and I'm here with my co-host and friend, Sam Alberry. Sam, I've got a question for you. What is the best concert you have ever been to? Um, you mentioned the Beatles a while ago, and I'm not going to compete with that. But um, uh, 1999, Sting was touring his album Brand New Day. I saw him at the Royal Albert Hall, and... He had some really phenomenal jazz musicians with him and he just let them go. It was just wonderful. Um, I can still remember that evening very vividly. Best music I've ever heard live. Wow. Okay, mine would be Bob Dylan, November 1979. He had just come out with Slow Train Coming and he was about to debut the album Saved and uh, he uh, did both albums in a small theater. There may be you know, 500 seats. It wasn't this big stadium. And he had this amazing band and killer backup singers. And I could not sit still. It was too exciting. And and you were a Presbyterian. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so it was amazing. Well, hey, listen, last episode, I think you mentioned the, the lady in the church listening to the band playing a, a, a song from Romans 8. Uh, we also mentioned that the, the band at Emmanuel Church in Nashville has produced a, an album which is setting all of Romans 8 to music. And it's, a, it's amazing, isn't it, it? It is amazing. And it, so you have plain scripture truth, the very words of the ESV of Romans 8. It's also Shai Lin reads the text as well on yeah. the album. I'd love him to do an audio Bible. That was amazing. Yeah. And then the uh, the songs actually put Romans 8 to music, and it is very singable, very congregational, and uh, very captivating. Uh, the link for that is in the show notes. It turns out we have show notes. So if you want to find out more about that, uh, follow the link. Okay. Now, on this episode, Sam, of You're Not Crazy, can, I'd like us to reach back to a topic we, we, we touched on um, briefly before, and, and I, I've got something else I really want to say about it, then you'll take us the next step as we consider gospel culture, okay? So I want to go back to honesty, because there's a verse in James chapter 5 that means a lot to us. It means a lot to me at Emmanuel Church. James 5.16, therefore, now that's an interesting word in itself. It starts out, because what that means is, <clears throat> therefore, confess your sins. So, Confession is something that the gospel itself leads us into. This is not coincidental. It is not incidental. Gospel doctrine creates a culture of confession and honesty and vulnerability and transparency. Therefore, it says, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Confession prayer, healing. You know, in, um, what is it, Life Together by Bonhoeffer, an amazing book. It's in three distinct thirds. The first third's amazing. The middle third, I have no idea what he's talking about. The, <laughs> the final third is amazing. And he talks about when, when a man comes out of hiding and confesses his sins to a brother, that man will never be alone again if he will live there with mm. a brother. He will never face his sins alone. But now, under Christ, that brother bears that burden with him. I just believe and have found that, that 
I've got to have men I trust and respect who live in my city who know my sins, men to whom I confess my sins. We men are brilliant at self-concealment, withdrawal, aloofness, and smiling on the outside and dying on the inside simultaneously. It says it's, a, it's an imperative. Therefore, confess your sins to one another. So I want to ask every guy listening, every pastor, to whom do you confess your sins? Who knows what you're really facing? Who knows what's really going on? And if, if you're not okay with the Roman Catholic way of the confessional, okay, how do you confess your sins? Now, someone might say, well, I, I confess my sins to God, so he knows. Um, but that's not enough, is it? Because James is not just saying, confess your sins to God. He's saying, confess your sins to one another. What do we miss if we only confess our sins to God? What, what are we, why are we hesitant to confess our sins to one another? Well, for me, answering that personally, what I miss is um, confessing my sins to God alone is just too easy. I don't discover freeing power. I don't discover healing. This verse is not about just me losing face. It's about me getting healed. Yeah. And so what I miss is felt forgiveness and healing. But the price I pay for that is the embarrassment, uh, losing face. I mean, looking Sam Alberry and TJ Timms right in the eyes and... <laughs> and the the most embarrassing part of it is I almost always confess the same sins to you guys. It's like round up the usual suspects <laughs> in Casablanca. Um, but if we're in town on Monday afternoons, we gather in my study, and our only agenda is James 5.16, to confess our sins to one another. I If, if I'm not living in ongoing honesty, transparency, vulnerability, and confession with men I trust and respect, ongoing, I don't expect that to end well. That avoidance, that pride, that face-saving will not end well. And Sam, I'm now 71 years old. One of the most important things right now in my existence is preparing to die well. I want to die honorably. I don't want you and my family and Emmanuel Church and Renewal Ministries to have to clean up a mess after I die that I had left concealed. I want to die honorably so that y'all can weep at my funeral and rejoice and move on. And there's my memory actually provides a lingering blessing into the next generation. The only way I know to end well is to live well, which is not sinlessness, but the confession of sin. Pastors who have no one to whom they confess their sins are on their way right now to trouble. Therefore, it says, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another. It doesn't say shame one another, embarrass one another, corner one another, pressure one another. Sam, I don't even like the, the, the category accountability because mm. I've seen that used in a way that's bossy and coercive and shaming. 
but just pray for one another. It doesn't say fix one another. It, it doesn't even say advise one another, though there's a place for that. But pray for one another that you may be healed. Where can healing for pastors be found? In confession and prayer. Confess your sins to one another. Pray to God. Healing comes down. And when we pastors will humble ourselves before the Lord and with men we trust and respect, such that we start talking about our actual sins, though, Sam, every time it just kills me. I hate this. Well, it's interesting. I... Someone asked me once, how, how do you know of the infinite numbers of sins in your life which to confess to your friends? And I I said, for me, it's quite easy. As I'm driving over on a Monday afternoon to see you guys, what is the thing I don't want to share with you? <laughs> and that, that normally is the clue as to what I need to confess. It's the, what, do I, what don't I want them to know about from this, this past week? Yeah. So I believe that in a gospel culture, um, sinful people, which is all of us, find the safety uh, where we can open up with one another and really admit to what's going on and gently pray for one another and really pray for one another. And that can only end well because the Bible says God promises healing, healing in that very place. We pastors need healing. And if we pastors will go there, what if we just say, okay, I'm just done with my isolation. I'm done with my aloofness. Doggone it, for, by God's grace, for his glory. I'm going to find that place. I'm going to find one or two other men in my city and meet with them regularly to tell them my mess and pray together. And it's, it's part of welcoming one another as Christ has welcomed us, isn't it? I mean, one of the, the, the freeing things the gospel gives us is that God knows the very worst things about us and it's still safe to come to him. And when we see that translating out into a, into our relationships, it, it's safe. It's actually safe for me to let you know some of the worst things about me. And it, that, it just reinforces the, the truth of the gospel. I wonder if the entry point for so many pastors and churches into gospel culture that, that, that they haven't sort of enjoyed yet is, is this matter of, of honesty. And when we're honest with each other, I feel so trusted. I feel honored. I, I would not violate that trust for all the world. So, Sam, let's take the next step, um, honor. Yeah, so the flip side of that, if if honesty is we're not trying to hide the worst things about ourselves, the flip side is actually we're, we're trying to highlight the best things that we see in one another. And a key verse in this is in uh, Romans chapter 12. Which verse is it? 10. 10, thank you. That's why I couldn't <laughs> find it in verse 8. <laughs> so Romans 12 verse 10 says, love one another with brotherly affection. That's, that's a worth spending some time on at some point as well. Um, outdo one another in showing honor. Outdo one another in showing honor. Romans 12, verse 10. Um, you've pointed out before that this is the only place in the Bible we think we're explicitly told to compete against each other, to outdo one another. Um, now, men in particular, we, we can get competitive very easily. So there's lots of things we instinctively are trying to outdo one another on. It might be prowess it might be banter it might be any number of things 
the thing we're told to outdo one another on is showing honour. And the wonderful thing about this competition is the more competitive we get on this, the more everybody wins. So what is what is showing honour? Well, the book of Colossians speaks of Christ in you, the hope of glory. Uh, in Whoever is in Christ is a new creation. I think of it this way, Sam. I, I, I meet a new Christian at Emmanuel Church and um, begin to, in just private, enjoyable, friendly conversation, I begin to ask questions. So where'd you go to high school? Where'd you go to college? Where's... Uh, tell me your story. Where did you grow up? And so forth. Just obvious introductory questions. 15 to 20 seconds into that conversation, I'm listening and I'm thinking, oh my goodness, this is glorious. This is a story that God is telling. And this person himself might not feel, you know, boy, I'm sure impressive. (laughs) Who of us ever does? But I'm seeing in this person's account I'm seeing the guidance of God, the providence of God, the love of God, the plan of God. And I'm connecting the dots. And and outdo one another in showing honor is simply saying, talk to each other about the glories that you're seeing, the glories of Christ that are emerging. They're going to be complete and obvious, publicly obvious in, in, in heaven above. But even now, the glory of Christ is appearing in every true Christian. And when we honor one another, we just notice that. Mm. We just notice the obvious and we rejoice over it. We talk about it to one another. Paul gives us a, a worked example of this in, in Philippians chapter 2. He's just talked about the, the example of Christ, his, his amazing service. He then talks about Epaphroditus. And he says, I'm sending Epaphroditus to you. Um, he's been longing for you. He's been distressed because you heard that he was ill. So he's distressed because they've heard he's ill. I love that. Um, and then Paul says, indeed, he was ill, near to death, but God had mercy on him. Um, and then he says, I'm all the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy and honour such men, for he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. So Epaphroditus, this man who was serving the Lord, serving the church in a way that actually brought risk to his own life. That's how committed he was. And Paul says, honour such men. So as we see evidences of God's grace, as we see echoes of the example and and service of Christ in other Christian men and women, we're we're to call call attention to it, to celebrate it. Um, Now, I I come from southern England, so we're we're not massively demonstrative and heart-on-sleeve type people. We, We tend to let you know you meant something to us at your funeral. That's when we'll generally let you know that we actually did love you. Um, so this this feels very non-native to me, but it's meant to be native to us as as Christian believers. It's actually the flip side of, of that same honesty, isn't it? it? It's saying, let's celebrate, let's be on the lookout for evidences of grace in the lives of others, and let's let's celebrate those things to other people, just and, as Paul does here. And it alerts us to what, in our, in our gospel churches, we will never do, we will never 
undermine one another. We will never mock one another. We will never indulge in snarky put-downs, jokey insults. It's unimaginable. And we don't stop doing bad things until those bad things become unthinkable to us. Mm. They're not negotiable anymore. There is only one sort of human dynamic we allow into and cultivate and celebrate in a healthy church, and that is looking for evidences of Christ in one another, noticing that, rejoicing over that, talking about that. For example, um, at, on those Tuesday nights, Manual Theology for Men, during all those years, we had a, a time of teaching, and then we had a time of walking in the light and honesty, usually one-on-one, The guys would break up, and then we'd come back together again toward the end, and we would have honor time. And I would read that verse, Romans 12, 10, outdo one another in showing honor. And I would explain, this is not flattery. Flattery is lying. Outdoing one another in showing honor is noticing the reality of this new redemptive life and humaneness and beauty showing up in another man. And then we talk about we put that right out on the table. We're not embarrassed. And so I would invite the guys, okay, let's do that right now. And hands would go up immediately. For example, a guy might say, okay, Jim, this is right out in front of everybody. Jim, I want to honor you um, because uh, last Thursday when I, I felt, I felt like looking at a porn site. I texted you and you called me immediately And you stayed on the phone with me for 20 minutes and talked me off the edge of that cliff. Dude, thank you. I needed that. You helped me. You you dropped everything for me. That is, I honor you for that. And then then you typically, and this was not uh, manipulative, it seemed to be incredibly genuine. Jim would say, no way. I'm going to outdo you. (laughs) I'm going to honor you because you had the integrity to call me when you had a need. A lot of guys wouldn't do that, but you did that. That was Christ in you, the hope of glory, and so forth. And it would just, the Holy Spirit would just detonate this enjoyment of of honor toward one another. I typically had to shut it down at the end. Um, That can happen in any church. It becomes so attractive, doesn't it? I I can see that being, once you see that happening, you who wouldn't want to, dive in and, and be part of that. And, you know, with, with that example, with, with what Paul gives us in Philippians with Epaphroditus, it's not just a general, oh, you're really awesome. It's specific. Um, I'm, I'm honouring you for this. It's, it's not just, as you said, it's not flattery. It's not just vague generalities. It is, hey, um, there are, here are some particular evidences of grace. Yeah. I have never once in all my life met anyone who was too encouraged in Christ. <laughs> We are not in any danger of being too encouraged in Christ. And churches typically live on a starvation diet of encouragement and honor and being lifted up by one another. Can we please stop the starvation diet? There is a feast awaiting us. And every culture has its own way of undermining that process, whether it's the sort of English reserve, I'll let you know what I, you know, I'll wait till you die before I tell you that I love you kind of thing. Or it can be the southern U.S. flattery, you know. But uh, we need to we need to step into this on our culture. Um, we're not going to drift into it, are we? 
And I totally agree with what you said a moment ago, Sam. Who wouldn't love to be part of, and I'm just thinking of this as a man, a manly, uh, bold uh, culture of honor where serious men get together with both their flaws and their glories, and we share it all together. I'm telling you guys, if you can cultivate that, you know, just, just preaching pure doctrine, I'm not saying that's easy. But cultivating gospel culture is it it's more nuanced, it requires more intentionality and and more gentle light touches and mid-course corrections along the way. But you can do this, Pastor. You can do this. And if you long for this, you're not crazy. You're being drawn along by the by the Holy Spirit of God. And Sam and I are just glad to encourage you and help you along the way. Uh Ray, why don't we just do this now? Why don't we why don't we find out one of our mutual friends that we both really adore and, and revere and honor him? I'll see if he's I'll see if he's around. Okay. Hi, Russell. This is Sam here. I'm here with Ray Auckland. Um, Ray and I are recording um, this new podcast for TGC called You're Not Crazy, Gospel Sanity for Young Pastors. And uh, we've just been talking about Paul's instructions to honor uh, one another and you come to mind because you're a friend of, of both Ray and I. So we just wanted to, to quickly get a hold of you and, and tell you how much you mean to us. And uh, Russell, this is always awkward between us men, but I would just have to say you're going to have to deal with it. Now listen, <laughs> here's why I honor Russell Moore. Two things come to mind immediately. A consistent witness marked by integrity and courage, both of which are all too rare, especially among Christian leaders. I've been watching you, Russell, for years walk with integrity and courage. The only question, these are evidences of supernatural grace within you and upon you. And you have inspired me countless times without ever realizing it, because I when I'm facing difficulty, trouble, and, and distress, the thought comes to me, wait a minute, you don't have to give up. You don't have to give in. Russell Moore is out there. He's marked by integrity and courage. You can do this by God's grace for his glory. You just keep going. Now, Russell Moore, you've had that impact on me many times. Oh, my goodness. I respect you so much, and I'm grateful for you, so I honor you. Thanks, Ray. And Russell, I just wanted to say as well, um, you know, I look at what you've had to endure in your ministry and you've you've not you've not run away from the Lord's work. You've you've not become a, a bitter cynical guy. So I was looking at Paul honoring Epaphroditus in Philippians two and what Epaphroditus suffered for his service of Christ, and it, it made me realise how much you've endured and how much actually we owe you for that. So Thank you for serving us, even when it's been very, very costly. That, that, that means uh, more than I can really communicate, because both of you um, have, uh, I would not have been able to be in ministry the last several years, if not for the two of you, in lots of ways that you don't even know. <laughs> it just, just seems that uh, from each of you, the Lord arranged just the right conversation, just the right call, just the right encouragement at just the right time that I needed it. And, uh, and so that, that makes me all the more grateful. Oh, gosh. Well, we love you. Thank you for letting us interrupt your day. Absolutely. Anytime. Okay. God bless.
<laughs> that was fun. Yes. We should just cold call people every episode. You know, um, what we're experiencing here is, is it's very powerful to me. It's very moving to me. I feel so much uh, more filled. I feel less alone right now than I did two minutes ago because of what we just experienced uh, with, you know, Sam Mulberry, Russell Moore, Ray Orland. Something just happened here. What if that went viral? What if instead of scrutinizing one another, we were honoring one another? The power of the Holy Spirit is in that. Yeah. I think what Paul is saying in, in Romans twelve ten there is is pretty much a photo negative of, you know, Twitter. <laughs> where we, yeah. we, we find people we barely know and find things to shoot them down. And Paul is saying, let's grab a hold of some people we do know and find ways to build them up and encourage them. Yeah, fantastic. Well, we want to, as we close this out, want to thank and honor Crossway Books for their sponsorship of our podcast. And here's, here's a book Crossway has published that, is, that will really help us build gospel culture. It is by my own son, Gavin Ortland, Finding the Right Hills to Die On. That book helps us so much because we need to know what theological expectations we may properly have of one another and simultaneously what theological allowances we should properly make for one another so that our fellowship, our, our culture in our churches is both cohesive and strong in doctrine. It's not compromising and cowardly, but it is also fair-minded and gentle with one another. So it has both strength of conviction and strength of cohesion and unity simultaneously. How do we navigate that? Gavin's book, Finding the Right Heels to Die On, guides us wisely, wisely and pastorally. One of the things I loved about that book was his, his focus on humility and the need for that. And it's, again, it's one of the things we're seeing in this, this whole area of gospel culture is, is, is less of me, more of others, um, not, not thinking that we're the big deal. We know you have a ton to do these days, and so it means a lot to us that you would listen to the podcast. Thank you for listening to this episode of You're Not Crazy, Gospel Sanity for Young Pastors. Do visit tgc.org slash podcasts for more episodes, and it would be great if you'd subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts. Thank you for doing that. Spotify, wherever you listen, wherever you hang out. Thanks. The You're Not Crazy podcast was made possible by multiple team members at TGC. That team includes the hosts of the show, Ray Ortland and Sam Alberry, as well as Stephen Morales and Andrew LaPara as executive producer and producer, Heather Farrell, our podcast lead, Gabriel Reyes, our graphic designer, and Josh Diaz, our audio engineer. You're Not Crazy is a part of the Gospel Coalition Podcast Network. You can find more podcasts at tgc.org forward slash podcasts.